I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. October is an important month for President M. Russell Ballard, acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This month, he celebrates his 92nd birthday, and it also marks... 35 years in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. President Ballard is the longest-serving general authority in the church, having served in that capacity now for 45 years. We had the chance to sit down with President Ballard and talk about his birthday, his service, and his testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He reflected back on the things that had happened in his life and what brought him to where he is today at age 92. Uh, miracles. <laughs> I was born of goodly parents. My parents, early on in my life, were not necessarily active in the church. That is, uh, church going, but <clears throat> they were believers, and they were good parents. They taught me correct principles, and for that, I'm eternally grateful, and grateful that over time. They became very engaged and very active in the church, and that was wonderful. In fact, my father spent the last 15 years of his life as a sealer in the Salt Lake Temple, and so I watched that transformation from less active, and and when he chose just to let the Lord guide him, it was just wonderful to see that. My mother was very shy, and but she was always willing to work in the primary and do the things that she felt comfortable doing. So in all these uh, years, I would have to attribute when I was young that the best, greatest blessing I had was good friends. I think that perhaps the most important thing that young people should seek for and find are good friends. Because good friends uh, helped me to go to church Good friends uh, saw that I was active in the seminary program at East High School. I'm not sure I would have gone to seminary because that wasn't the kind of things we were talking about in our home. But good friends, uh, somebody got to come. So I went, and when my senior year, I was president of the seminary, and that was a good learning experience. I've been blessed with... I think good friends all my life. I was with a group in high school and the University of Utah, our first year at the University of Utah, uh, where the young man, just part of our program was you went on a mission. I mean, it wasn't one of these things that you, you thought you might do or you pondered about. You know, you just went. I mean, that was just part of life back then. Many of the uh, my dearest friends, those that I knew in high school, and, the, and many of them, I was a Sigma Chi at the University of Utah, and I think uh, probably 80% of that, that group of Sigma Chi's went on missions all over the world. And uh, we decided we were going to have a, a, a write a letter, a chain letter, and it's going to go around the world. I got it twice in two and a half years because we had so many scattered all over the uh, all over the world 
that were that group that uh, decided to go on missions. So I think associations, particularly when they're young, I would encourage uh, and do encourage my grandchildren and say, if you want to stay anchored in the church, then have good friends that, that are also going to seminary and, uh, and who go to church and who are doing their duty. If you do that, you're going you're gonna to find your way safely uh, into marriage and into temple ordinances. Whether you marry or you're not married, you have all the blessings of heaven that uh, Heavenly Father has in store if you, if you stay on the, on the covenant path. So all of those things are, when I look back, I think had a big impact uh, in my life. President Ballard called the opportunity to serve as a missionary in the British Isles a seminal part of his life. It shaped his leadership and much of the church service that would follow. I was blessed as a missionary in England. Um, President Boyer apparently thought I could lead a little bit. I introduced the Anderson Plan as a district president of the Nottingham District. I heard about it and got a copy of it from the Northwestern States Mission and put it in effect in the, the Nottingham district that I was presiding over. And all of a sudden we started to baptize more. And President Boyer thought that was pretty good, so he called me to be his counselor and sent me all over the British Isles, England, Ireland, Scotland, the Wales, to teach the missionaries how to use the Anderson plan. Now, we'd say that's now preach my gospel kind of planning. So those were great days. I have on my wall a, a picture of my two mission presidents, Silvoy J. Boyer and, and uh, President Richards, Dana Richards, two men that made an impact in my life uh, like unto my own father. When I got there, it was, it was pretty iffy. It wasn't organized. It wasn't structured. Uh, we were going out handing out pamphlets, and I, and I think to myself, now we knock on a door and talk to a lady and give her a pamphlet on the apostasy. And I can't imagine what she thought she had. Uh, that's what we were doing. But the Anderson plan, he figured out a, a better way to, for door approaches and, and brought it down to uh, 12 lessons. And then when Franklin D. Richards became president of the Northwestern State, Western States Mission, he reduced it to six lessons. Well, we were using uh, Brother Richard's uh, marvelous work in a wonder. We were thinking we had to teach everything in mar marvelous work in a wonder, which is a m marvelous work and a wonder. <laughs> but, you know, by the time we get through that, everybody was asleep. It was too much. And so bringing it down to where it came down to six lessons. And I've got that and, and uh, copies of it and and taught my missionaries as the district president how to do that. And all of a sudden, the Nottingham district, we were baptizing. And so President Boyer wanted to know what we were doing, and I showed him. And so that's when he called me to be his counselor and sent me around to England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales to teach him how to use the Anderson plan. So it's, you know, the simplicity, the clarity of this glorious message works every time. And... I know they've already put on the headstone, and, the, and my kids did, 
where Barbara's, Barbara's buried there. And so on the back of the headstone, they put, keep it simple. Can you imagine that? Me wanting ever saying, keep it simple. I'm a great advocate of keeping it simple because uh, simplicity is powerful. Complexity is dangerous. I think Lucifer is the master of complexity, and the Lord is the master of simplicity. And the gospel is simple, and it's simply beautiful. Another important time for President Ballard and his family was when he was called to preside over the Canada-Toronto mission. He served there from 1974 to 1977. It was during that service that he was sustained to the first quorum of the 70 on April 3, 1976. And... He continued his duties as both a general authority and a mission president through much of 1976. Well, we did pretty good when we got there. They were baptizing about 18 to 20 people a month. And we soon had it up where we were baptizing 80, 90, 100 a month. But the way we did it, we took the same basic fundamental principles I'd learned in England and brought it down into our own appropriate uh, language and uh, for the people of Ontario, Canada, and put it into effect. And the missionaries uh, related to it because it was simple and, and it was doable. And simple words and simple, true doctrinal principles that people resonated to when they visited. We, took, we didn't have anything that was complex. It was all be nice and smile and love people and tell them who you are and and lay out the gospel in in simple terms and that that works it works with about any anyone in my experience and i i if i have done anything that uh, might have made a difference it would might be helping missionaries to keep it simple enough that people can understand and and uh, start at their level, not at the missionary level. And that's hard for sometimes for missionaries. But, you know, they're 18 and 19, and it used to be they memorized everything. And President Hinckley didn't like that. President Hinckley didn't like what he called wooden, wood and discussions. So we changed that now, and we asked the missionaries to understand it and to teach it by the Spirit in their own words. And those that learn how to do it and do it that way from the, what they have internalized and what they personally believe and teach it with, with conviction, they find people that resonate to their message because conversion always starts by what people feel in the beginning, not what they know. My problem of it is is that I uh, and the 12... I think are tired of hearing it, but and they'll hear it until I die because I believe it so deeply. And that is, why are we doing this? What is the result? How do we know we've been successful? Well, in missionary work, success ultimately becomes we're finding more people, we're teaching more people, we're baptizing more people. It can't be uh, anything short of that. And you have to keep missionaries focused on that because Lucifer doesn't want us to figure that one out. He wants us to keep it complex. But missionaries are, are all of the research we've ever done 
the most powerful tool in missionary work is the missionary. If the missionary themselves have internalized the gospel and know it and love it and teach it by the power of the Spirit, they find more and they teach more and they baptize more. I had missionaries that, that learned then I could put them anywhere in Ontario where we hadn't baptized anybody for many years and they would not be there long before they would call and say, President, we have a family, we're going to baptize this Saturday. It's the connection. How do people connect? And, and there's two powers going here. The Lord has his missionaries, but the devil doesn't like them. So that battle has been ongoing since uh, the beginning of time. And uh, I think the greatest growth time and maybe my life was as a missionary in England, what, 75 years ago? And I still see uh, some of those experiences in my mind's eye when I'm teaching missionaries. <laughs> I go back 70-some-odd years and and they stay awake. They don't go to sleep while I'm telling them. So they must be interested. I love how, for President Ballard, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple and beautiful. Practicality, he taught all of us, is the sign of a good leader. Well, uh, when I started, it was a very important learning experience for me. Because uh, I had run my own businesses. Actually, when I was left the University of Utah, I started my own business. And so when you run your own business and never really have worked for anyone, you think different. You think about result. Uh, I believe I probably have done fairly well in being able to see the simplicity of something and being able to get it in terms that a lot of it's been approved. I think uh, preach my gospel is, is not, was, that's not my. I'm not the author of that. I think I would be given the uh, credit of being one that perceived and conceived. We had to do it better than what we were doing before. But there were a lot of very bright people that helped write those lessons, and Elder Cook and others who were 70s at that time were engaged. Uh, we have tremendous resources, and we just need to pull them together. But keeping the bottom line, why are we doing it, in front of us all of the time is sometimes it's work because people can have great ideas, and we've got a lot of people here that have great ideas, but not all great ideas are going to give great results. So... I would have to say most people are weary probably of my saying, you know, keep it simple so that the people understand it so it'll work. Don't put a lot of bells and whistles around something that doesn't need bells and whistles. Let's keep it as direct and as clear as we possibly can, and you'll always end up with a better result. That's true whether you're a stake president, whether you're a bishop, whether you're a Relief Society president, young women's present, doesn't matter. The simpler it is, the clearer it is, the easier it is, the better chance you're going to have great success. In 1984, severe drought plagued Africa, 
and the church held a fast to raise money for Ethiopia. President Ballard, who was then in the presidency of the Seventy, joined Elder Glenn L. Pace, who was managing director of the church's welfare department, uh, to go to Ethiopia and determine how best to use $6 million raised by Latter-day Saints in a special fast. Well, the first memory is I got called into President uh, Hinckley's office, and he said, Russ, I'm sending you and Glenn Pace to go to Ethiopia to decide how to use this money. I said, well, when do you want me to go? And he said, tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we I said, well, okay. <laughs> so we had to get shots. We got shots for everything. And off we went. And I'd have to say that that was one of the uh, molding uh, experiences in my ministry. I learned, I think, about compassion and love and gentleness and uh, appreciating anguish and, and, and uh, anxiety and suffering on that experience, which I believe has blessed me the rest of the time that I've tried to serve the Lord as a general authority. We saw situations there that uh, were just heartbreaking, you know, fighting away the tears to see little kids that uh, holding a holding a cup uh, to get a little meal that they'd pour out of a big barrel into there. It's kind of like a cream of wheat sort of thing. And those little kids just gathered around us and and uh, held our hands, and we saw, we just saw things that, that changed me. I asked President Ballard what it was like to return home, where we have so much, after leaving Ethiopia, where they had so little. In one way, but it was great to be able to come home to a church that has a welfare program, that has a fast offering program, that is constantly concerned one way or another about the poor and the needy around the world. I sit on the Budget and Appropriations Committee and have done for many years. And every every meeting, we're allocating resources to parts of the world where there's a drought or where people are starving and trying to do our part in, in uh, doing what the Lord would want us to do and helping the suffering, the poor, the sick, the afflicted. This church, uh, I don't think most of the members have any idea how far we our outreach is in uh, doing what Jesus has commanded us to do, to take care of the sick and the afflicted and the poor, the hungry. We do that. We do it in a very big way, but we don't usually talk an awful lot about it. But when you see what I have seen and be where I've been from the early days of Haiti to the days in, uh, in Ethiopia and other places, you, you realize how blessed we are and why we should be so anxious to do what we can do to reach out and help others of our father's children that are suffering. That's why fast offerings and the welfare donations are such an important thing because those resources are used out to get out there where, where the needs are.
This October was not only an opportunity for President Ballard to reflect on his own life and ministry, but on the influence thousands and thousands of Latter-day Saints worldwide have had on him. They bless your life everywhere you go. Um, to be candid, uh, they're t too nice to us. <laughs> and I tell every general authority when they are set apart, I try to get to them one way or another, or either collectively or individually, and remind them that adulation is a, a very dangerous thing. And you must not let people, um, or you must not think that you, because you are a general authority, that you are uh, above them. Keep yourself humble and keep yourself teachable and reachable. And that's what Jesus would do and that's what we have to strive to try to do. And I think, to be honest with you, the general authorities of the church do a very good job of it. They understand that principle, I believe. We ask President Ballard to reflect on an event that happened early in his time as a general authority. In 1978, President Spencer W. Kimball received a historic revelation, granting all worthy men the priesthood and the opportunity for all worthy women to attend the temple. President Ballard reflected on what it was like. Well, we, he, uh, we were in the temple on our fourth floor in our, our uh, monthly temple meeting. That's when the 70 would be with the 12. 12 met every week, but all the general authorities once a month. And President Kimball, uh, I can still see him and still hear his voice saying we have contemplated and prayed. She said, I've spent many hours here in the temple, and we feel to recommend that the priesthood should be available to all worthy men. And uh, how do you feel about that, brethren? And every hand flew up. He didn't call for a vote, but the all hands went up. You know, President Kimball uh, and the prophets since him molded my ministry significantly. He was, uh, he was my president when I was mission president. He was president of the church then. And so I have a deep affection and I think learned an awful lot from him. I use his 1974 talk to the regional representatives over and over again. Pure revelation that poured from that mighty prophet explaining our day. You go read it. And he was saying what our circumstances were and what they would become. And it's, uh, he's a mighty prophet. Anyway, and I've had the privilege of being very close to all the presidents since, since then. In President Ballard's lifetime, he's seen a lot of change, both in the way we travel and in the way we communicate and in the way we stay connected. During this time of pandemic, he reflected back on all that the Lord has brought forth to help the church move forward just at the time it was needed. Well, I think all of us have learned that the Lord uh, was kind in giving us 
uh, some technology. Now we've this technology came just at the right time. When you think about what we can do uh, with the capacity to hold meetings by uh, the Zoom system, where we can see each other, we can communicate with each other, and it doesn't matter where we are. For example, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, Elder Karen and I had the responsibility of holding a priesthood leadership training meeting in Cusco, Peru. So we are sitting in Salt Lake City, and we are teaching the state presidencies and the uh, priesthood leaders and the dear sisters in Cusco. That's way up in the mountains of the Andes. And we are able to let, they are able to ask us questions, and we're able to answer those questions. We had Brother Pacera with us also on that uh, meeting. And, and so I think technology and the capacity, particularly the Zoom capacity, where you can be uh, 10,000 miles apart, but yet in the same room, it's remarkable. Now, people ask me, uh, is it the same? And I say, well, there is something missing. And what is, I miss is being able to shake hands and embrace and bless uh, the members of the church face-to-face. That is a great void for me. But the fact that I can't do that but now can still visit with them and teach them is a miracle. President Ballard was quick to say the greatest blessing of his life was his family and especially Sister Barbara Bowen Ballard, his wife. She passed away two years ago this month. During our interview, we asked President Ballard to reflect on her life and influence. I'll try. This is a fun story. When I was in England, I was a counselor to the mission president, and I was in Scotland. And I was walking down the main street across the, from the castle where all the sweater shops were. And there was a pink sweater set, a woman's pink sweater set. The, you know, the top part and then the one that you'd wear over the, on your arms and so forth. I went in and bought it. And I brought it home and my mother said, what in the world is this? And I said, I'm going to find a girl that will be just right for this sweater, and I'm going to marry her. And so I go to the University of Utah, Holo Day Dance, three days after I'm home from England. And Richard Harris, who he and I went through high school together, he said, I've got somebody you need to meet. He'd been home from his mission longer than I was because I stayed an extra six months. And so he dances Barbara Bowen over and introduces me, and I dance with Barbara, oh, maybe 30 feet, and somebody tags me out. But I was uh, smitten just with her countenance and her smile. So I call her up to want to take her out on a date. She's, I had to wait, I think, a couple of weeks or two or three weeks to get into the schedule. She had a lot of boyfriends. But the greatest thing probably that ever happened was finding her and marrying her. She's been gone for two years on the 1st of October. And people ask me how it is, and I say it's terribly lonesome at night. 
Um, I have a beautiful uh, picture, a painting of her that uh, an artist did for me that uh, taken from a picture uh, that was taken when we were in Germany on one occasion. So that sits, so I see her every morning. I can't get in and out of my house without passing her. And uh, I'd have to say that uh, she is everything, really. We have seven beautiful children. We have 43 grandchildren. And now 96 or seven great-grandchildren. So when I talk about October 1st, when she passed away, that was a, that was a, Half of me, in a lot of ways, went with her, I think. And uh, it's been a long two years. But I know where she is. I hope she's waiting for me. And uh, she smiles upon our children. My children tell me all the time they feel her presence. So the gospel, you know, takes you through these things. If you didn't have the gospel, I don't know how people that don't have the gospel in their lives lose someone as cherished and as dear as Barbara is to me. We were married 67 years. That's a long time. I drug, drug that sweet little lady to every corner of the earth. And she'd never been outside. Of, I don't think she'd ever been outside of Utah. If she had, maybe went to California, but that would have been the extent of her, of her uh, experience out of Utah until she married me. And then I've drugged her, drug her all over the world. Very few places that uh, she hasn't been with me. And so you can imagine uh, when she's not there and not with you, it's, especially at night. But she's waiting for me. Even as the church's longest-serving general authority, President Ballard says it's hard to have too many bragging rights at church headquarters. That's probably because of President Russell M. Nelson's fast-paced ministry. Come around and we'll talk when I'm 93, if I'm still here. <laughs> People say, well, uh, how are you doing? I say, well, the alarm goes off in the morning, and I reach over and say, hmm, I'm still here. I guess I better get up. <laughs> That's what you do when you hit 92. <laughs> Except you got a present that's 96, so I can't complain. So as we conclude this podcast today, we're going to let President Ballard have the final word. We ask a most important question. As a 92-year-old who has spent 45 years in full-time service to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what do you know now? Well, it's the same message, I think, that uh, I have tried to emphasize my whole ministry, and that is that we must focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ. We need to come to know who he really is. And really, you come to know the Savior by serving him and his church. I think the more you serve, the more you reach out, the more you extend your effort to try to help others along the way, whether it be just quietly or publicly. Those quiet moments of service draw you closer to the, to the Master. I never go away from a private one-on-one effort to try to help somebody 
who's been hurt in accidents or who has been hurt emotionally um, or just struggling in life. Uh, I never I never leave those experiences without an, a deeper abiding love for the Lord that knowing that I can say to anyone if just trust him. You have to trust him. Your 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 uh, safety and my safety is the Lord. If we stay close to him and and try to do the things he would want us to do, we're going to be okay, regardless of what burden we may be carrying. And there are some people that are really, really burdened. But he's promised if we will follow him, he'll help us carry them. And I'm a witness that that's, that's true. So, uh, what is it, 45 years that I've been a general authority? So I... I've covered the world. There's not very many places I haven't been. And every time I have a chance to stand and witness that he is the Christ, he's the son of the ever-living God, who's our father. We are his spirit sons and daughters, and Jesus Christ is our savior and redeemer. That is probably the most exhilarating moment in my ministry because that's what this is all about. We have all of these other things that we wish we, we do, but it's all hopefully focused to bring people to that knowledge. And when people really have that, they don't need very much else, to be honest with you. So he does live, and I know that, and uh, I love him. You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor, Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you've learned something today about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com. 